Hello and welcome back to another episode of Let Loose with Moose. Today I have another ape from Blockmeets with me today. Hello Jedi, how are you doing? Hey Moose, thanks for having me and I love the intro. Definitely another <laughs> ape from the block. It's good to be here with you, man. Thanks. Awesome, really nice to have you on. Right, so could we begin with a quick introduction of yourself and of course your crypto origin story? Um, okay, so I'm definitely the old guy in the room pretty much all the time. Um, I've always been pretty much in the in the online space. I mean, I was around when, you know, multi-user dungeons were around in the late 80s. Um, you know, kind of like early 90s, going into the late 1990s, very much a gamer uh, in the online space. In terms of my crypto... My crypto history started, I think Bitcoin came onto my radar 2013, 2014, but it was more out of necessity to trade virtual commodities in computer games. So, you know, back then it was Ultima Online and and then we obviously kind of moved into World of Warcraft, uh, EverQuest and those kind of games. And, and, and Bitcoin back then was used quite a lot to kind of like buy stuff and sell stuff within the, the virtual space um, and that essentially grew into an interest around mining going into kind of like the early early 2017 and then through that bear market I, I mined quite a lot of um, quite a lot of Bitcoin and Ethereum but it was always a an exercise in just making ends meet because we were in the middle of a bear market so my my history or my path within crypto was obviously quite intense around the mining side of it, but I never really traded or paid much interest in the community aspect of it. The only time that I really started paying attention to community and, and the situation was towards the end of 2019, sort of middle to the end of 2019, and then going into obviously the last bull market. Um, I had a lot of familiarity with, you know, the people and the energy and the space that, you know, was crypto at the time. And then obviously just evolved into, you know, meeting Grant online on Twitter, started chatting. And then before I knew it, I was a partner in, the, in, in Blockmates. And yeah, here we are now. Um, that was two years ago. So it's almost two years, actually, that I got involved formally and officially within Blockmates, but I met Grant around this time. I don't know if you were around back then, but it was Avalanche and it was, you know, things were going vertical. It was insane. I mean, it was truly a mm -hmm. bull market and, you know, Avalanche is very much at the center of it back then. Anyways, that's a long intro in terms no, of me and, and my history. <laughs> yeah, that's totally normal. And it's always really nice to hear the origin story, right? Like, like Grant shared uh, his science background last week. And yeah, so it was pretty cool that you were mining and selling Bitcoin and Ethereum since the beginning. Do you feel a bit um, kind of regret selling at that point? I never really had a choice, you know, because uh -huh. there was a, a focused 
investment or a concerted investment made around the whole thing. It wasn't really, I never really had the, the flexibility to hold. Um, the whole idea was to, you know, kind of capitalize on a price with Bitcoin that was really doing well. And then obviously we had the end of 2017 going into 2018 crash. And, you know, what was really profitable up until that point turned into essentially unprofitable for quite a lot of 2017. And then going into 2018, it became more manageable. Um, but it was never, I think the strategy or the business, the business strategy approach at the time was to, you know, use the Bitcoin and the Ethereum to pay the bills and whatever was a surplus was a case of, you know, obviously holding and, and growing the portfolio. But unfortunately, that was never afforded to me at the time. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like when things go pear shaped, you just got to make a plan, I suppose. No, but that's a really nice mindset there because I would imagine like, if I was in that situation, I'll be like, wow, if only I didn't sell to make ends meet at that point of time or something like that, right? Then you'll be freaking rich right now. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know what it is though? I think, I think ultimately the lesson that gets learned in a situation like that is that it doesn't really necessarily matter what the situation is. You know, like in trading... You know, the, the experienced traders always talk about having a plan. And I think this is just another another example of that where you got to stick to your plan. You don't, you know, like, okay, so things went badly and, and now what do I do? It's not, it's well, you just go with the plan. You don't just change it. You don't try and find, you know, a whole lot of money to support what you don't know is going to happen. You know, if, if we, it's kind of like putting money in a losing position, you know, so, the, so Bitcoin price crashes and then you, you have this whole idea, okay, well, I'm still going to hold and I'm going to use other money to pay my expenses. But then you don't know how long the price of Bitcoin is going to be suppressed for. You don't know how long right, you're going right. to be paying bills on electricity for. So it was never really like you're already in a hole, right? So you've put out this capital outlay. You haven't paid off what you've put in. You're in a hole. You're underwater effectively. It's, it's like any position, you know, you place a bet. If, you, if it doesn't go the direction that it's supposed to go and you're underwater and then you've got to stick to the plan. Um, so I, I'm glad that I did because I learned a lot about essentially kind of managing the situation. Like, so you could argue that there was a, a form of risk management. Um, I learned how to like really keep costs down, you know, in a situation like that. And you'll be surprised at how many expenses there are within the the context of running an operation where you are mining. Um, you know, you don't really learn those lessons in a bull market. You don't really learn the real valuable lessons when you are flying and everything's going great. The only real lessons that get learned is when things are tight and hard. I mean, look at where we are right now in this market. You know, this is pure PVP market. You got to really protect any wins that you get. And everyone who's dialed into this is making money and those who aren't are losing money. And that's just the way it is. Right. Really awesome, man. And it's really nice that you can have this kind of mindset. You can share this story right now over here. And I totally agree with what you said, right? Because it's really uncertain now. It's like, even if right now we were to ask people, um, when will we go back to the next cycle? When will it begin? When are we going to go back to all time highs? No one, no one knows for sure, right? Like, 
especially at 2017 or something, right? Like it was really uncertain because it wasn't as widely adopted yet at that point, right? So I think I think that I mean I th- I think you are asking a question around a statement, and it's it's I think the real the the really interesting part about when are we going to see another bull market is is the it is the big question, but I don't think we need to focus so much on when. I think we need to focus on will we be ready when it happens. So I think the journey right now for me personally, and particularly as well for you know what we're doing within the context of Blockmates, is that in many ways we are practicing and we are preparing for a bull market environment. Whether it happens in a year's time, I know that there's quite a lot of sentiment around something happening, you know, towards the halvening and the rest of it. Perhaps there will be, and there's there's a lot to support that argument. At the same time irrespective of whether we do get some kind of shift in market sentiment and some kind of a bull market, you know, kind of thesis around that, I think the most important aspect of this whole thing is to be ready. You know, like this, it's once again, it's so strange. I mean, I never planned this for the interview, but it's like (laughs) having a plan is probably the most important thing that you can undertake, irrespective of whether you're in a bull market, bear market, underwater, you know, flying, it doesn't matter. There's got to be a plan. You've got to have an exit. You've got to have an entry. And I think it's the same with anticipating what a bull market is going to look like. My my opinion on, on, on another bull market and what it looks like, so because we get bored in bear markets, we try and come up with all sorts of ideas. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, we won't see, you know, the same kind of bull market like we did in the last one. And I think there's a lot of a lot of argument to support that. Because, you know, there was all this money being pumped into the system by the Fed and and the rest of it. But my counter to that is that I think more people will be involved next time around. It's just the trend that we've seen since 2013. More and more people enter the space. More and more people want to play. More and more people want to gamble. And I think the next run is going to be the same. And I think we're going to see quite easily a 10x to what we saw in the last cycle. I think a lot of people think I'm crazy by saying that. But... I don't underestimate the degree of, of first of all, greed that exists and also the extent with which mania can kick in off the back of that greed. And I think we're just going to see it again. I don't think, you know, it's a question of if, it's just a question of when, in my opinion. All right, awesome. Right, and I totally agree with what you just shared, man. Like having a plan, being ready for the next bull market is something that we all should be doing. And there's the saying, right, um, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? And you really put it into words so much better than I can. So really respect that. <laughs> right. And, maybe, it's, and, maybe it's just because I've had practice. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still practicing right now. I'm getting used to all this. Right. And you mentioned um, that you kind of met Grant uh, on, on Twitter. So could we hear a little bit more about that story of how you kind of ended up joining Blockmates and share a little bit more about what your role is and what you do at Blockmates? Okay, so during during um, twenty twenty one was kind of mid twenty twenty one was was the the real you know like the real rocket ship bull market time and it was all happening on Avalanche. Grant had just written 
two articles. He wrote the Wonderland Time article and he wrote the Popsicle, Popsicle Finance article. And that was how I was introduced to Blockmates and the idea that we could take, you know, or someone could take, primarily someone like Grant could take this complex information and, and articulate it in, in a way that pretty much anybody could understand. I mean, you spoke about it in the interview with Grant, you know, it's in terms of like, you know, creating crypto content that your father or your dad can understand. And in many ways, I felt that way, even though, I've had like extensive tech tech knowledge and you know very familiar with online space. I did feel very overwhelmed by particularly Wonderland Time and you know the kind of concept of of how Olympus DAO worked and Olympus worked particularly. And you know Grant just really like articulated it in just the most incredible way. And and the other thing was that he was very receptive to and he still is after all these years. Like Grant is probably one of the most receptive and responsive people in the Twitter environment, like great sense of humor, but also like he engages, like he, and he engages in a real way. And I started chatting to him around ideas, um, you know, in terms of, you know, like what is he doing with Blockmates, how things like looking for the future. And we just started chatting and long story short, we had a meeting in December and it was kind of like, we had, we had had a number of conversations around how to, you know, essentially like, you know, build something that could create revenue, but still remain really like true to, you know, like being honorable in the space. I think that's like one of the big things that's that that still is lacking in crypto. Like you just don't really know, like if people are, are just shilling you so that they can dump on you or whether they're shilling you so that they can take advantage of you in other ways, there's this just really like a, it's really a gray and murky area and like the whole idea behind Blockmates was to just put you know like the truth out there like just to go out there and, and write about protocols and to expose them in their truth and to let people know like this is what it's actually all about this is what where the value proposition lies this is where the potential risks lie and we chatted about this long for, for quite a long period of time, it was several months, and then Grant said, listen, why don't you come with me? Let's take this journey together and see where we can take it. And and that's what we did. You know, it was it was very much a spontaneous thing, irrespective of whether we chatted about it a lot. It was still very spontaneous. There wasn't like like all these conditions, and there wasn't like this this convoluted complex and you know it, it really did originate in my opinion from a place where we wanted the same thing and even more so now we we still want the same thing and it's in my opinion it's it's a lot clearer um and that's how it started and it's just grown from that point onwards and then obviously we've grown the team we've we've become a lot more serious in terms of where we want to take this business and how we want to grow it. But I think at the very essence of it is that we've, we've maintained the humor, we've maintained the fact that we just want to continue to provide value for our community. And, and it's not about the money. It's not about this whole idea where, you know, we want to be we want to be the best content creators, absolutely, but we don't want to be like driven by greed and by self-interest around us. You know, it's like I think that one of the cool things about what Blockmates has become is that 
it's not about us it's about this this greater community and all the people in it and and their contribution as well like there's some incredible community members that like i'm inspired by you know and i think that's i think in the essence of it that's where grant started out was like i want to do this because people actually need perspective around what's going on in the space um and now our community are the ones that are offering us that and it's it's pretty damn cool awesome man it's really really nice to hear that like who would have thought that a couple of conversations could have brought you so far and <laughs> and, it, and it really like makes you think right that anyone can really just come into the space like there's literally no um, prerequisites of any boundaries to to come into the space right to start your own thing here so that's really really cool something that i really like about this space i think for me that's probably one of the most valuable aspects of being in this space is that you can do pretty much anything you know like a lot of people come into the space and they see the opportunities through a process of trying to grift people or trying to scam people or try and steal from people that's one aspect of it like every every light side has its dark side and a lot of people choose to do that and then you get the others who choose to do it the other way around and the rewards of doing it that way are just incredible and it's like you can you can pretty much if you see if you see a strength in yourself that you never thought you could do in anything else i promise you if you walk into crypto and you decide that you want to do project management or business development or even be a developer and you sit down and you learn how to be a developer like crypto really does afford you that opportunity and anything is possible it really is a case of anything is possible and you can define yourself whether you choose to create content and interview a bunch of apes and and you know go and interview founders <laughs> i mean if you, if you had told me two years ago that i would be interviewing founders on a weekly basis discussing the most complex topics and intricacies around protocols i would have told you that you were crazy and and now I'm doing that and it's part of what I do. And, and it's like, I would never have imagined that I would ever be able to, or even have the inclination to do something like that. And that's, that's just crypto. You really do yeah. like, you can really reinvent yourself in whatever way you want. Um, and you can do really well. And if you choose, if you choose the right path, you can make money, you can make great friends. Um, and you can basically make have life changing like experiences. That's been my experience so far. And I hope to be honest, it never ends. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Like for myself, if you told me even last year that I'll be doing weekly podcasts with like different people across crypto Twitter and, and like kinda of have blog mates come on with me, I'll be like, no way, man, that's not happening. That's not me. Yeah, and now and now look. <laughs> exactly. Look really anything can happen in a short short time frame within this space yeah okay. yeah i mean i think you know you know what's really cool about it is that that like i find is that they really are like so this is what i find really really interesting is that people choose to be anonymous in the space a lot of the time but the interesting thing is that i've made some of the best friendships and some of the best relationships with anons in the space 
And I don't feel like they're anonymous people, even though there's a good chance I might not meet these people. There still is a friendship and there is still a meaningful relationship, if you know what I mean. And it's like, there aren't many, like, there aren't really many, like, real life in inverted commas experiences that afford you that. Whereas in crypto, you get that. Um, and the only other space that you would get that is in a gaming environment, you know, where you're playing a massively multiplayer online role playing game and you're playing as people that you would probably never meet somebody who's kind of like, you know, in the middle of a country that you would never go to, but you forge a relationship that might last for 10 years and they become a really good friend. And I see that in crypto all the time. Instead, the difference is that we're making money as well. And there's an exchange of big brain ideas and even bigger opportunities. Yeah, totally agree. I, I like to think that it's because of the common interests and shared experiences within the space, right? Like similar to the gaming example that you mentioned, except that we have the financial incentive. So there's a lot of really, really smart people in the space as well who are out here to make money, right? So yeah, totally agree with what you just said. And I want to kind of move on to the next topic. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this, but luckily for me, it wasn't hard to find this because you have this pin on your Twitter profile. <laughs> so we're going to move on to, I I'm going to read off the tweet, right? The structured framework for finding 100x projects. You tweeted this in early January this year. <laughs> Do you still remember yes. what you put in that tweet? So I think... yeah. I think, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, obviously I do. I think, and there's a reason why I still have that pinned is because I think that's what everybody's looking for. You know, I think everyone mm -hmm. is looking for that. And what I try to do with that post is that I wanted to try and create context around it. Um, anyway, sorry, carry on, Moose. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. So usually I like to ask the, the guest, so you in this case, right? Um, either their research process or like their investing framework. So you have this on. Um, someone similar that comes to mind is Jake Pahal because he has his own scorecard as well. I, I had him run yeah. us through his scorecard. I'm not sure if you, you, you saw that. Um, but could you run us through this structured framework that you had? So let me kind of go through a little bit of what you covered in the tweet, right? So you mentioned three main topics, which is discover, due diligence, and decide, which is from the Nansen investment model that you took from. And yes. you kind of cover things like mechanism, tokenomics, um, traction, roadmap, and the team. So do you want to go a little bit into that? Oh, sorry. And two other areas that I missed out, the flow of capital and narrative. So could you take us a bit through the, this framework of yours that you have? So what I'll do is I won't follow the rigidity of what I stated in, in, on Twitter, which I think will make a little bit more interesting. But for those who are listening, it is a pinned post um, that I have on Twitter and it will give you kind of like a, a much clearer perspective. But I'll tell you what it is for me, like on the fundamentals of it, is that I think the, the real, the real like, I think the real alpha around this is like, is, is the idea a good idea irrespective of narrative? Because obviously narrative 
will play its part. And the narrative moment is when a great idea then just becomes an even greater idea because that's what narratives do. I mean, a lot of the time a narrative will take an even shitty idea and it can do really well. You know, like um, you look at a perfect example of something that that fell, fell within a narrative and a great idea all in one would be Pepe. You know, Pepe is probably the most incredible meme that has ever been born out of out of crypto. I mean, I know that people would argue that Doge is, but I disagree with you. The frog is way ahead of Doge and will always be mm -hmm. ahead of Doge. We don't post memes about a dog. We post memes about frogs. Um, you know, the last DeFi summer brought in the frog idea in terms of, of Danny and, and all of that stuff playing out. But frogs are Pepe. And we had this whole meme, this meme narrative, you know, meme coin narrative that was was going and it just took the right people at the right time and look at what Pepe did. You know, like that is a perfect example of taking this idea that's brilliant, finding the right narrative at the right time and then it goes straight up. But that obviously is a very rare, it's a very rare event that happens and you either see it or you don't. Whereas I think with what I try to convey in finding 100x is that you find an idea that's that's great, that really does serve a purpose within the context of what DeFi is doing right now, particularly within DeFi, because that's where my experience lies. And then trying to understand what are the different variables that need to come into play in order for this brilliant idea to actually play out into something that could turn into 100,000, 10,000 X play. And for me, it's really important that there's a great team behind it that understands the value of what community is about. Right now, if you're a protocol and you don't put 90% of your efforts outside of the development work that you're doing into growing a community, then you will never realize the true potential that your brilliant idea might possess. So I always look for communities. I always look for potential cult-like ideas that could emerge within a protocol's inception, its journey, and then its finality to launch. But more importantly, individuals that believe the project so deeply that they will support it through thick and thin. Examples are Cardano is a very good example of, in my opinion, a protocol that has very little to offer in the DeFi context of things. It might have great ideas in theory, but it doesn't actually practically deliver what people would think that it could deliver or that people argue that it delivers, in my opinion. But it has this cult-like following that doesn't matter how what you think about it, doesn't matter how you contrive it to be something bad, there will always be those people that will hold it and there's a reason why it has the market cap that it has. That in itself is a brilliant protocol, irrespective of whether it delivers or not. Now imagine if you find a protocol that can harness and can cultivate a community around a brilliant project that actually delivers and solves a whole lot of problems in the context of DeFi, then you have a winner. And if you can identify those things within a protocol, you are placing a very good bet that this thing will do well in the future. So I think around that then comes, you know, the concepts of, you know, tokenomics, you know, how are they planning to do this? How is their roadmap? Do they have 
the momentum financially? You know, do they have the momentum intellectually? If they do, then you just essentially what you're doing is that you you are identifying a sure winner. That's all it is. But tokenomics are obviously really important. You know, you don't want tokenomics that are going to expose, you know, later entrants to come in and then essentially get dumped on by the earlier entrants because, you know, there isn't a great vesting schedule. Um, you know, it's all coming out all at once. I mean, we've seen it with so many of these, you know, in this last bear market, we've seen so many of these old ones that have come out, come out. I mean, where it's just, it's just an opportunity for VCs to dump on, on later entrants. And I think you've got to protect as much as you possibly can through your tokenomics, your investors, whether they came in on a seed level or whether they came in, you know, at a later stage. I mean, at the end of the day, we do understand that, you know, markets, you are going to have losers and you are going to have winners. But I think if you've got a longer term view as a protocol, you know, there's, there's protocols out there that have vesting schedules where, you know, tokens will vest over even up to a four year period. In my opinion, that's not a bad thing. I think that's actually what we need to see more of. Um, and we need to see roadmaps that extend beyond two years. And we need to see roadmaps that actually take into consideration. I mean, if you look at some examples like of protocols that have really taken tokenomics to heart, I think tapioca dye is a perfect example of that, where, you know, like I think the the the, the total number of tokens are going to take approximately six years to come into circulation. And then there's like a whole buyback principle through options which protect protect essentially holders of the token by a treasury actually taking possession of tokens through a buyback system, which offers options to those who want to enter into, you know, tapioca. And I think we need to see more. I would like to see more of those kind of scenarios play out where there is like a genuine long-term view for growth and for sustainability within the protocol. Is it a wish list? I think it is in many ways. It's kind of like, you know, you kind of dream of that kind of scenario where, you know, the value is upheld over a 10 year period, as opposed to just, you know, 18 months or a year. And like in this bear market, people are, are selling off like immediately if this thing doesn't go straight up, which is, which is unfortunate. Um, and then I think the, the, the last thing within this whole thing is that you can't ever underestimate just coming back to, you know, the narrative, like narrative is, is probably one of the most interesting and most important things that you can see play out around good ideas. And I think the perfect example that we've seen that just, that's just played out. Um, and many would maybe argue that it might've come to an end for now is, is kind of like your telegram and your discord bots. You know, here we have the craziest thing where people are, are essentially investing slash betting into the idea of a bot trading on your behalf. But what they're not realizing is that they actually they are actually supporting protocols that are going to land up outsmarting them and outbetting them come next bull market. But that's just the nature of the beast, and that's just the nature of how you know markets and narratives more importantly define the direction that we go in. But what I really enjoyed about you know the, the bot narrative is that the idea of bots and trading bots has always been around. It's always been there. Unibots, who's 
done exceptionally well over the last two to three months. It's been around for a long time. It's not a new idea. Trading bots have been around, sniper bots have been around for, for years. But now all of a sudden the narrative emerges, the opportunity presents itself, and look at what happened. Mm-hmm. And it can happen with anything, you know? And it's like, are you paying attention? Are you on Twitter? Are you engaging with communities that are invested in the space and are looking out for these narratives? So with narrative comes community involvement, participation, research. There's this whole thing that makes the space what it is. And you either get connected and wire into it, or you are the spectator who's coming in late and lands up being the bag holder afterwards. Unfortunately, that is part of the whole thing. But if you practice long enough and if you pay attention hard enough, you'll end up being one of those people who recognizes the narrative before it arrives. You'll get in early and you'll do really well. So that's my 100x my 100x perspective and how that works. Yeah, I was kind of following you at first and then because you shared so many great great points, right? That my my thought halfway through was like, I'm going to have to listen to this recording again <laughs> to really get everything that you just said because there were so many points and I do not want to miss out on them, right? And oh yeah, for those who have not seen the tweet, I, I will probably link it down in the description below. So definitely do check it out. Lots of great stuff shared in there, right? every single thing that Jedi looks at. And yeah, so you kind of focus um, a lot on the community, right? Like I, I've heard you mention multiple times that community is an important thing, um, like cult-like kind of communities, uh, which comes to mind like the Daniel Siesta doing the Phantom yeah. Days, right? So yeah. yeah, things really go crazy when there is a, a cult-like community and it is something that I've been hearing, not just from you, but from other people as well, that that is something that they generally look for because these tokens run one of the hardest, if not the hardest, right? Absolutely. And I think what also goes with it is that that you can't underestimate essentially how one community can domino into another community. And then it just kind of, you get this almost, the, the ultimate domino effect is because there are so many communities out there within the context of crypto. Even in 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 the middle of a bear market, there's still like some really great communities that 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 we don't really like acknowledge or realize are at play. Whether whether it's two hundred people or whether it's two thousand people or whether it's ten thousand people, those communities they feed off one another. They they reciprocate of each other's ideas, you know, and, and I've seen, I've seen several of those communities because I'm a part of them. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, I started out in a community that was very much centered around the pure trade aspect of things. And, um, I then obviously moved into the blockmates community, which is, it's more like the blockmates community is almost like it's more subdued in many ways. And the ideas are more longer term. Even though the guys like to get involved in the high-risk short-term plays, I think for the most part, what I really enjoy about the the Blockmates community is that the investment thesis within that community or in our community is very much more medium to long-term driven. You know, there's there's guys who, who think about like bottoms. Are we experiencing like a long-term bottom, bottom and consolidation? 
and what do I want to actually participate in over a longer term period? You know, is it going to be one of the majors? Are we looking at something like Solana? Does Phantom have a future beyond, you know, all the FUD and all the, you know, kind of like the 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 bad stuff that has happened, you know, over the last few months? Um, will we see a resurgence of, um, you know, something like Cardano? Will XRP, you know, like do what it, what people think it should do, like from an investment perspective, you know, over a longer period of time. And then do you load up on those? What are the new protocols that are coming in and how are they going to be like long-term players going into the next bull market? You know, whereas other groups will look at lower time frames, you know, hourlies, four hourlies, long shorts, high leverage. And that's also got a place in it because, you know, open interest in those markets and those players drive drive huge aspects to the market, namely liquidity. And I think it's important to have a perspective on all those things. There is also the risk of the saying that goes, you can be a jack of all trades and a master of none. But at this point in time, I would much rather be a jack of all trades and be aware of what's going on, because I suppose it is my job to do that. But I also mm -hmm. think from an investment thesis perspective, um, I would like to be in a situation where I have the experience after, you know, obviously making tons of mistakes where I can open, you know, a fairly high leverage position, whether it's a long or a short and capitalize on, on, on something that I see as a short play versus a longer term spot hold. Even though I'm a terrible leverage trader, I would like to get better. And it is something that I've been working on. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, totally agree, right? Because we have different investors. Uh, different time frames, right? So definitely there's a spot for everybody. And yeah, I, I do like to kind of dabble my hands in a bit of everything, right? Because I'm just curious, want to yeah. learn a little bit more of everything. So I think I'm in a very similar position uh, as yourself, like to learn, kind of be like a so-called jack of all, th all trades, right? Like you mentioned. Um, yeah, and on that note, right? Because you, you also mentioned about spotting narratives really early, um, kind of digging out the the projects early that you can have uh, ready the whole up wave, right? So yeah. my, my next question to you is, could you share a DeFi sector that you're most bullish on right now and why? I think the obvious the obvious answer and the safe answer is stable coins. I think the 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 importance of stable coins and the and and the the role that they are currently playing, but more importantly, the role that they will play going into the future of what DeFi is about, I don't think can be overstated enough. Uh, I think that for me is by far going to be the biggest market, the market cap, market share that could play out in DeFi. Um, you know, cross-border payments, just any kind of payment is probably the single most like important value proposition that we can see in the modern world, uh, you know, banks are banks because they rely on the flow of capital and stable coins are essentially the flow of capital without banks. You know, that's what it's actually ultimately about. I think that we have the big boys that are playing. I think Circle obviously is really like looking to, in my opinion, I wouldn't be surprised if Circle are looking to be kind of like the accredited, you know, kind of like digital currency to the Fed. 
Um, they sure as hell look like they're gearing themselves up for that position. Uh, and then what that affords the stablecoin market to do is to be creative and inventive around, you know, your algo, your algo stablecoins and how those look like. I think Frax is attempting and quite successfully to demonstrate that, you know, algorithmic stablecoins are very possible and doable. We've seen them, you know, weather the hardest storms, even MIM, even though it's not a major play in the space. I think they've shown that it can weather the storm. Uh, Tapioca Dow wants to come in and do the same thing. Obviously, Luna went south, but those guys were trying to build, you know, castles on sand. I think a, a lot of valuable lessons were learned in that process. And it's going to be really interesting to see from, from the birth of this kind of like new narrative around, well, it's not really new, but this this important narrative that is stable coins, what will emerge out of that will be that those important aspects of borrowing and lending, how to do that efficiently, the flow of liquidity into the entire ecosystem off the back of that, because that's the foundation of it all. I mean, the success of Aave and protocols like that, and, and even, even your tri-crypto, even though we've seen you know, a lot of uncertainty around that, the basis with which this whole entire space is kind of like reliant on is the flow of capital. More stable coins we've got in the space, the more we can emulate what traditional finance is doing, the more efficient we can become and the cheaper we can actually conduct all these, you know, these transactions and these, these strategies that, you know, traditional finance has been doing for a very long time. But we know that it's expensive. We know that it's inefficient. And I think the whole point of DeFi and the whole point of blockchain technology is to is to essentially eliminate that resistance and to make it affordable and more importantly to give us the ability to do what banks and institutions have done for you know the last 50 to 100 years why not do it yourself sure there come the responsibilities of doing that but at the very center of of your question just circling back is definitely the stablecoin market and how that looks and how it plays out for the benefit of DeFi and you know essentially to lubricate the process of transacting and investing that was a really interesting answer because that was totally not what i was expecting right like when i when i ask this question usually people tell me like um lsts rwas so i wasn't expecting you to say stable coins at all which i really thought it was really interesting right and uh, i think you mentioned being able to do cross-border payments i I really, really hope for the day where we can all just move our money from banks to our wallets and then everyone just pays on-chain from that point onwards, right? Like, I, I talk about this with Grant as well. Like, imagine um, if Apple Pay or, and Google Pay kind of just um, accepted crypto payments, right? And then everything you, you pay instead of like, um, I don't know, what do you guys use? Like Venmo or Cash App or something? Uh, Revolut, yeah. right? And then... You kind of just I don't know, scan a QR code or do the NFC payment and like, kind of pay in like USDC or Ethereum or whatever, right? That would be awesome. It is kind of so like the future that I'm got, thinking of. Yeah, it's a, it's already happening, hey Moose. I think there's I mean there's a there's a there's an application called Holy Held, which allows you to have a MetaMask wallet which get li which gets linked to a debit card and you can essentially put it into Apple Pay and you can go about your business like you would with any debit card. 
and it's all on chain. Oh, you don't yeah, even yeah. need a bank. I, I've heard yeah. of that, but it's like not available yeah. in my area, so couldn't have yeah. to try it out. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so I think it is. It's happening, man. It's like your your vision of how it's gonna play out. It doesn't even need a bank, to be honest. It's all right. about custody within the context of of the DeFi space and within your own hands. And we're fast approaching that. And I think that in the next five years, I think we'll be in a space where I think a lot of people won't like, especially the more kind of like DeFi centric people. I don't even think that there would be a need for a bank in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to that day as well. Right. Really looking forward to that as well. And mm. uh, I want to move on to the next part where we zoom out a little bit on the macro outlook or let's have your opinion on that because um, I've seen some of your tweets in the past, you know, the recent few months, I would say, doesn't seem very bullish, right? Like, um, let me, I'm actually scrolling through your Twitter feed right now. I'm, and you, you posted like, if you're buying into any pumps right now, just know you get dumped on. <laughs> <laughs> so things like that so let's let's hear your your take man okay so i think from a macro perspective um i'm by no means as dialed in as i would like to because i think like the macro side of things really is a pandora's box and there are so many different variables and so many different levers that you know contribute to a perspective at the same time i do have the privilege of having spoken to like two of my friends and I speak to them on a regular basis, namely Captain Rational and you Benjamin. They both they're both macro like nerds and you know I obviously get to 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 get I would like to believe quite an informed and educated perspective around what's happening from from a macro perspective. So I'm gonna just borrow a little bit of their sentiment and it's not a positive thing i think you know we've we've got your treasury bills or the, your treasury yields that are sitting at all-time highs which is not what you want you essentially want the opposite you've obviously had you know major inflationary pressure the fed's been you know looking at trying to like back off from raising interest rates um and then you've you've had like almost like this 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 far removed process of you know, the S&P 500 is, is pumping on the one side and, you know, the US dollar is now backed off, but that's been pumping as well. And obviously crypto lands up getting the raw end of the deal when, you know, those two are pumping. Whereas traditional markets are pumping, it's like, when is this thing actually going to kind of like, like give, you know? So I think what's happening right now is very much bearish. I think long, well, not long-term, but definitely for the short to medium term, um what are things going to play out i think interest rates are going to continue i think we're going to continue crabbing i think we're going to continue playing the range that we've been playing short-term narratives will continue to arise like they always do in a bear market and my comment around people buying into pumps and getting dumped on that's just the nature of the pvp market that we're in right now it's very reactionary it's <laughs> very short term it's very very short term and very short lived. Um, so I think the only thing that 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 I think can really like change the way that things are moving at the moment is probably the biggest narrative and the most significant narrative that we can hope for to do that 
and that would be for the Bitcoin halving, which is approaching. Mm-hmm. Some people think that it's going to be a non-event. I think irrespective of whether we have major macro winds blowing, I think we will see some kind of a shift for a, for at least a longer period of time than any of these kind of sh- narratives that we've seen up until now. When I say longer, I'm saying maybe a couple of months, maybe six months. But if we see the similar kind of macro conditions that we're seeing right now, I don't think it will be longer than that. And there doesn't seem to be an indication that the current macro conditions that we're seeing will let up. So as much as I'd like to see like a full-blown bull market going into the halvening into 2024, like everyone is anticipating, I think macro is really going to like prevent us from seeing that. Because if there's one lesson we've learned is that for some reason we don't we haven't seen you know these positive like influences when we see them like the S&P 500 was was going straight back up over the last month we didn't really mm-hmm. see it in crypto it was like bitcoin was doing nothing you know the majors were doing less we've seen one or two i mean rune obviously has done well because they've changed a lot of what they've done on the on you know from a tokenomics perspective in terms of their their lending facilities but that's a, that's going to be a short-term narrative for Rude as well. Otherwise, everything else, you know, Solana's been doing great. Um, I mean, there have been opportunities, but I think overall, it hasn't been great for crypto. Awesome, awesome, really awesome. Your answer is wonderful, man. <laughs> like I could hear you talk Thanks. for hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and clearly, I did. I spent too much time doing this. So that's really- <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about macro and, and kind of chime in on, on that. So I will just take in whatever you just shared and kind of ponder over it for the for the next two days, right? But um, yeah, I, I like your, your take on um, us not going into a full-blown bull market, uh, moving into to halving next year because of the macro conditions. Like, of course, I would like, I mean, I'm sure we all would like that, that event to be the huge event that kind of kickstarts everything, right? But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know for sure. So I'm just kind of collecting everyone's inputs and then think about it. And you shared a really great one. So thank you for that. It's a pleasure. Right. Thanks for listening to me ramble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love to hear people ramble, man. I'm a great listener. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And I think we kind of touched on all the crypto stuff that I have for you already. Um, now let's get to know a bit more about Jedi. So, <laughs> which is also my favorite part of the of this show, right? Could you share with us like your daily routine or like a day in the life of Jedi? Yeah, I think I think it's way too much work. Um, way too much focus on getting stuff done and not enough time away from that. Um, so, so it, it just centers around getting the time out on the weekends um, and then just trying to get away from stuff, spending time with family. Like there's not enough of that happening at the moment. Um, and hopefully that will change in the, in, in the future, um, in the near future. But because of where we at at the moment, it's like, it's just full on, you know, it's like kind of like, a philosophy that Grant has been very good at is like weekends step away, you know, and it's like mm. 
and then inevitably what happens with me is I do step away from like the day-to-day -day stuff, but then I land up focusing on the relationship side of things, you know, with, with the people in the space and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and then also, also family, you know, there's a responsibility of family, you know, being married, having kids, you know, it's, it's like, it's quite a big thing. And then also, you know, taking the time out and, you know, getting out on the bike, going surfing, like that's, that's something that that's really important and that needs more time. Um, and then also getting out and meeting people like in the context of conferences. So we've, we've done quite a few conferences this year. I think it's quite important to, to go out and socialize because I think with what we do, it's really easy to get sucked into, you know, being in front of a computer and mm. like the social aspect of things really does suffer. Um, so looking forward to going to token 2049, yeah. uh, in September. that's going to be cool. Hopefully we'll see you. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think that's, that's really important. I mean, I, I, I love the social aspect. Um, and that was one of the reasons why we decided that we were going to dox and just be open about who we were and because we want to keep things real, right. Mm -hmm. And it's just our choice around how we keep things real and how we add the humor and how we add the relationship aspect to what it is that we're doing. Yeah, totally. And and it's like because of the nature of this space, right? Like where everything is 24-7, you don't really, really take a lot of time off, right? Like you want to stay in the know. Even if, like if I'm on vacation, I, I still take some time to scroll through the Discord chats and Twitter to just kind of stay updated of what's going on, right? And it's just the nature of the, of the space. And you I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we went, we went, we actually did a family holiday. We did a road trip. We went surfing. We went oh, nice. to the coast. We were away for like three and a half weeks. And it was, it was hard getting back into work, man. It was like, <laughs> what, what year is it, it was, now? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it was really hard. It was just really tough. Um, and, and I said that if, if we're going to do holidays, then it's got to be like, almost like a maximum of two weeks. So I'd much rather do like two, two week holidays or even two, two or three, two week holidays at a time than do it all at once because it really does. You do get disconnected really quickly from what's happening in this space. Mm -hmm. You'll be surprised how much happens even in the middle of a bear market. It's insane. Yep, totally. And I was having the thought, right? Like when you mentioned that you have kids and like, are you going to kind of brainwash them and have them enjoy and explore the crypto world together with you. I think that would be a, sounds like a wonderful bonding activity. <laughs> wow. What a, what a wonderful question. It's like my son, my son's 12 now. And, you know, he's obviously watched this whole journey that I've been on over the last two or so years. And it was really funny. He came to me the other day and he says, I want to learn how to trade. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, seriously. And then I was like, so what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I want to learn how to trade. I'm, I'm really interested. And I said, are you prepared to put the work in? And he's like, yes, I am. So I've directed him now to Cred's series of YouTube videos. I don't know if you've seen those, but Cred is probably one of the best kind of like, yep. I think uh, he's just brilliant. I mean, he's got that whole series of like 18 videos that he's done. Um, you know, around the fundamentals of trading, you know, what are candles, what are, 
what are retests, what are what's support resistance, you know, all those fundamentals that you should know around trading. And he started watching the videos now. And he's already started giving opinion. And I said to him, watch the videos, you can start paper trading. So he's interested. He's definitely interested. My daughter, not so much. She couldn't care less. <laughs> she thinks she thinks the whole man is completely crazy. So um yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's really nice, right? Like I don't know, maybe you're gonna have a have a new segment for blog bits in a few years' time. <laughs> but trade Who knows? Yeah, yeah, maybe we will. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, but I think that that's really good, right? Like starting to have this interest at such a young age. I think of course mostly or entirely from your influence. I think it's gonna be a really good thing for him uh, that he kind of want to venture onto this path, right? I mean, it's either going to go really good or really bad, right? <laughs> but I, I would like to think it's good. Yeah, I think, I hope so. You know, the thing is, I believe that, I think one of the greatest things that we can do for ourselves, for our friends, for our, for our children, for everyone, is to be able to give them an opportunity to learn something that will impact them and make them better you know and i think if you if you do understand how to play a game and win at it and trading is just a game that you learn how to play and win um if you obviously put the time in and i think if you do that and you teach people i mean it's not just about your children it's also just people that you encounter i think i think it's a great gift to be able to impart to somebody and when somebody does that for you I mean, how cool is it when someone like inspires you to do something, you know, it's the same thing. So yeah, I hope so. I hope that I can do the same for my, for my kids and they Sounds can go so out nice. there and, yeah, and they can a... go out there and kick, kick ass, you know, <laughs> such a heartwarming story. Like I wish I had a dad that, that would teach me like trading and crypto and stuff. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> right. And like, what are some of your hobbies, man? You, you mentioned you went on a holiday, brought them to surfing. Like, do you enjoy surfing or are there like other hobbies that you kind of... Yeah, so mountain biking, surfing. Oh, wow. I love my, love my fly fishing. Um, I like going away to remote destinations and, and fly fish. Like, that's something that I just haven't done enough of the last five years. I mean, COVID kind of like put a bit of a spanner in the works from traveling and all the rest mm -hmm. of it, but... Yeah, that's that's something special, and and then obviously surfing surfing is like also one of those things where you know that's like a great disconnect and kind of like just getting back to kind of like the normality of of things. And then mountain biking, just I love going downhill, hate going up, but obviously <laughs> for the exercise and the health aspect, I really enjoy that. It's it's good fun. Yeah, that's really I would say it's a very unique hobby. Like, I don't get that here, but definitely, it's totally, um, what's the word? It's a really exciting sport, right? Yeah. Um, it is. I mean, it's pure adrenaline. I mean, going 60 kilometers an hour down a hill, and right. there's only one way, and that's to hit a jump, then so be <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, sounds awesome. Really, really nice. And I think it's, it's really great to be, like, going on active hobbies, right? Like, you and about and moving burning calories staying fit right uh, and, I, and i think I'll, when i think about fit and i'm talking to blockmates right 
I kind of think of that. So I'm gonna probably gonna ask him some questions during my session with him. I will save that for that later. And like, what about your your goals, man? Let's talk about some of your goals. Do you have any goals set for yourself to accomplish this year? That I don't know. What's the progress updates if there are? What are some of the goals that you want to set for yourself moving into the new year in a few months' time? I think that's a great question. You know, for me, there's, there really is only one thing that my focus and my, my everything in this space is about, and that's just making Blockmates better, bigger. We, we, we really do want to create something that is special uh, within the space creative, interesting, engaging, and just be professional about it. You know, I think we've come a long way in terms of how we present our research and, and you know, whether it's in video format or written format, but we, we really feel like we've got a long, long way to go still. Um, so that's where the focus lies in terms of where I would like to be Going into the new year, I would like to obviously get more exposure for what it is that we do. I just feel like we are completely and utterly undervalued in, in the greater context of crypto. And it's not because we out for fame and, and the rest of it. We really feel like the information that we're putting out there is extremely valuable for those who actually pause and engage with it. And that we feel like they can learn so much, which will make them more empowered and better in the space. And we feel like we haven't come close to reaching all those people. If you look at the mainstream kind of content that people are consuming at the moment, it's absolute garbage. It's so far removed from what is really going on in the space um, and what the potential of the space has to offer. Uh, and we, we don't need more of that. We need more accurate and concise information that's presented in an easy and, and, you know, like succinct way for people to understand. So I think that's the mission. Um, I'd really like to achieve a goal where we can access those normies that are really struggling to come to terms with what DeFi is about and they stay away because they just haven't had access to the information that we've put out there. So we obviously also need to up our game and we need to do things better. So that's something that we're working on. Um, and then I think the second thing is just being just being like aware of what's going on in the space and not kind of losing sight. Because sometimes you can lose sight, you know, of like where things are and where things need to be. Um, and just to be constantly in touch with, you know, what our community wants and to just be better at delivering it. Um, so those are the goals. And then hopefully one day, you know, someone someone will come and give us an offer we can't refuse for blockmates. That would be nice. So mm. that would be cool. <laughs> and, and then riding off into the sunset. <laughs> I don't know whether we'd do that. I think we may be too addicted to the space. Maybe we'll stick around and do something else. I don't know. Or maybe we will. Mm -hmm. Maybe we will go mm -hmm. and. No, but you mentioned. Right off uh, the senses, yeah. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned really great stuff there. I think one of the things you, you said was to kind of um, 
help the the newer people kind of onboard them into DeFi, right? Like, yeah. Would you see you guys um expanding onto other platforms beyond YouTube and Twitter, like such as Instagram for for the more normies kind of thing? The, the audience is all there, right? So so we have started doing that, oh, but yeah? at the same time, yeah, we have. But at the same time, we haven't been able to get the momentum that we've wanted to because the approach wasn't the right approach. And so the, the goal right now from that side of it is that uh, we've been working on a new website and it's been something that we've been busy with for quite a while. We've had a couple of like reinventions that we've had to come up with and new ideas, but we are definitely a lot closer to where we were probably ever before. Um, and we're anticipating that we're probably going to launch our new website by the end of September. Um, and with that comes a new, like a proper DeFi news reporting aspect to the website. Uh, we're looking to offer a premium service for a subscription side of things where we, we won't stop doing what it is that we're doing right now. We'll never stop doing this. But the subscription side of it will essentially be offering our subscribers proper alpha, like actionable alpha, um, and the research to support that alpha. So that's what we plan on doing with the website, but we want to essentially offer an all-in-one experience for not only DeFi natives, but for those who are entering into the crypto space. So we've created content that allows for all forms of onboarding, whether it's MetaMask, Rabi, um, the fundamentals around DeFi and how to access DeFi in the easiest and most efficient way possible. And then obviously all the information around, you know, yield optimization strategies and then the more complex stuff, you know, like that, which we already write about, but what mm -hmm. we'll do is we'll do it a lot more in depth with a lot more focus for our subscribers. Um, so with that will then come the shorter form stuff, videos. Um, we've already started looking at uh, kind of like how-to videos. We've we've been speaking to a couple of people who will be helping us with that. So you can expect to see more of that kind of content, which we'll still put out for free. Um, and the whole idea is for us to grow Blockmates into a proper media company that focuses on crypto whether it's education, whether it's just information and also news. Awesome, awesome. Looking forward to the new website, man. And curious question, is your yes. new subscription going to be related to the LARP Quest? Yes, so so the LARP Quest is essentially a, it's essentially a lifetime membership to that. Um, you know, the, the whole idea behind it is that it's a really small limited number of NFTs that will grant people that lifetime membership. And with that lifetime membership and the NFT comes the opportunity to not only get access to that subscription service, but to also get the benefits of people who we might be working with or protocols who we might be working with who would want to do a promotion, for example, who want to do an airdrop, beta testing, alpha testing. So we, what we want to do is we don't just want to create an NFT for the sake of raising a whole lot of funds and then you know the nft becomes just a pretty picture the whole idea behind the nft collection is 
that it's got to have utility and it's got to have longevity and sustainability in what it is that it's doing. So the whole idea is that we're not going to land up printing 10,000 of them, you know, issuing 500 and then keeping nine and a half thousand of them so that we can dump them on our community. <laughs> the whole idea is that we are going to mint 400. We will each get one that's custom made for us and the other, whatever it is, the 394 or whatever it is, we will give either in the process of a whitelist uh, auction and we're giving a couple of ways gift as custom made um, NFTs. I don't think we've actually ever stated that anyway. So maybe this might be a little bit alpha for the channel. Nice. And we're not keep, we're not keeping any NFTs for ourselves. And in the event that we do, it will be a minimal number which we will give away for free in some form or another. But we haven't decided whether we do that or not. But we're not keeping any for ourselves that we will then later on sell. We refuse to do that. So the NFT will be entirely valued on what the market perceives it to be. And it's, and anyone who gets one must know that they're getting something that will be worthwhile over the long term. Like I said, whether it's airdrops, the lifetime subscription access and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Sounds really exciting. Super looking forward to that. Right. And we've been chatting for quite a bit now, slightly over an hour. So let's wrap this up soon. I'm going to pose to you the second last question for, for today. Could you tell us about your greatest takeaway from being in crypto? Greatest takeaway is definitely what I mentioned earlier on. And that is that the space affords anyone and everyone the opportunity to find what it is that maybe they are really brilliant at right now in the present state. They can go out and they can find something to do, whether it's working as an independent, whether it's working within the context of a protocol, or even whether you want to reinvent yourself. This is the space that affords you the flexibility and the most creative like space that you can find to do that. I really love that about what crypto is. And that's definitely my biggest takeaway from, from my experience in the space. Awesome. Really awesome. And to wrap things up, let's have the three guest nominations from you for my podcast. So <laughs> you've thought about this, haven't you? I have thought about it and it's a really difficult question to answer because there's so many like awesome individuals out there that, that I would love to interview as well. So, you know, if, if I had my, my choice for you, Definitely Kobe. Like, I really think Kobe is like one of those people that has pretty much seen it all. And I actually think, I actually think he's a really good guy as well. You know, I think there's been a lot of crazy stuff that he's done. And I think maybe there's been moments where he's done stupid shit as well. <laughs> and I'd love to hear about those and I'd love to interview him around that. So if you can get him on and you manage to pull it off, and do something that I haven't been able to do, ask him about all the stupid shit that he's done and <laughs> what, he what he regretted along the way. I think another person who I think is like of high intellectual quality and I think would be really interesting to speak to on a personal level outside of the context of just crypto, I think would be Eric Voorhees. Um, remember Eric, Eric did that talk with the bankless guys and with Sam Bankman-Fried soon after things fell out. Um, 
I think he's a bit of a Bitcoin maxi, but I think he's one of those Bitcoin maxis who has a very health, healthy perspective on what's going on in in crypto and you know kind of like the dynamics of what crypto is all about mm-hmm. um so i think he'd be like an awesome guest and i think the other one who who grant also mentioned would be my choice as well would would be matt from tapioca one of the founders of tapioca da um and my sentiments are exactly the same as what grant said nice. um and that is he's just got serious knowledge he understands like the intricacies and the dynamics of the space probably better than anyone i've ever come across particularly DeFi. and i think you could ask him any left field right field mid curve question and he'd freaking give you mm-hmm. a really interesting answer so those are my three choices nice i'm gonna I'm gonna pass time again and the first two names that you you gave are huge man I don't know if you can get him. Like, if you haven't been able to get Kobe, I think I'll have a much, <laughs> much uh, harder to get him on, man. <laughs> but maybe now, Moose. The thing is, though, that you're also growing. You know, you're also growing in the space. You're also finding your your mojo. And, you know, who knows where you're going to be in six months? Who knows where you're going to be in 12 months? The thing is that I think it's important for us to to have those wishes and those goals. Um, that's what makes, I suppose that's what makes life, that's what <laughs> makes life interesting, you know, who knows, maybe one day I'll get an opportunity to, to share the space with Kobe and I get to ask him the questions. Maybe you will, maybe you'll get a guest on that you didn't suspect you would. So let's see. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if I do get Kobe on somehow, I'm definitely going to invite you. We can do it together. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there, man, anytime. <laughs> All right. Um, it's been a really great chat, Jedi. Thank you so much for taking the time, right? And you definitely shared a lot of really, really insightful stuff that I would definitely be having to re-listen to this recording as well. Um, Thanks, Moose. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the the good vibes and the positivity. And yeah, man, carry on doing what it is that you're doing. We We really appreciate it. I think we've all agreed like yeah we just love what you're doing at the moment so just keep it up man really really think it's cool thank you so much it really means a lot coming coming from you guys and um, it's a pleasure dude thank you of course to the listeners for tuning in as well so i will definitely be linking jedi's um, twitter and and that structured framework tweet down below so do check him out i'm sure you guys already know him anyway right and yeah that's it for this episode we'll see you in the next episode That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Before you go, do remember to give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button so you never miss a thing. Comment down below what you liked about this episode, who you would like me to interview next, or any topics that you want to learn more about. Until next time, this is Moose moving out.